0: Welcome back to Drivers. First calls look at consumer trends and the personalities shaping all facets of the golf business. I'm David Klein, along with Sports and Leisure Research Group's President, John Last. Hey, John. Conference season has concluded, and the golf industry is now full throttle into the 2023 season. SLRG's Consumer Optimism Barometer has been consistently tracking the arc Of the macroeconomic environment and its implications for consumer demand for golf. Tell me what do you think are the three big things that you're looking at in this area?
1: Thanks David, it's great to be back. Um, It's interesting because if you look at things from a macroeconomic standpoint, there's three somewhat contradictory aspects of of what's going on out there. Um, In our most recent barometer study The levels of stress that people are reporting, as well as their confidence levels in the country, are both at negative high points. We're just seeing a lot more stress among folks, and we're seeing a real lack of confidence in where things are going nationally. And when you add into that a second factor, which is just the persistence of inflation um, and people acknowledging that they're beginning to tighten their belts for spending across at least staples and commodities – you would think that uh, that would have a, a, a negative impact, but but it's actually not um, because it's juxtaposed with a, a number of things that we continue to see when we ask people about the experiences they're having in other leisure sectors that are still really trying to fight their way back and we also see that when we we ask people how well those particular leisure activities are performing, they're actually um, at low points from what we've seen in the last nine or 10 months. So when you look at that, uh, coupled with the consumer's desire to continue rewarding themselves uh, and to continue seeking uh, discretionary purchases, we're actually seeing demand for golf um, in, in a better
0: place than we even did a year ago. Yeah, for for sure. And that's what we've seen with our uh, annual golf omnibus. We're seeing strong golfer demand and participation intent. With all these cross currents that you mentioned, why do you think we're seeing such positivity within the golf industry in the face of these headwinds?
1: Well, you know, as I as I alluded to a moment ago, David, it's, it's it's interesting because on the one hand, you still have these competitive leisure activities that aren't necessarily delivering on the proposition or the expectation that they had set pre-pandemic. Um, you couple that with. A continuing shift towards work from home. Uh, it, it, we still to this day see 50% and more of folks that are working either in a hybrid situation or d- exclusively in their homes. That that kind of gives us something that we've always wanted to see in the golf industry. And that's more time. Um, we people have more time or more flexibility rather to use that time. And we've defined it here at sports and leisure research group, as you know, as, as, as kind of a great, reprioritization. Um, And and when you couple that with uh, facilities that have really made substantial investments in alternative golf, and in in smart ranges, uh, in in really looking to attract uh, a more welcoming environment and greater accessibility, that's really helped us in, in generating and maintaining a lot of the demand that began to build up when golf was one of the few options during the pandemic. Um, you know another interesting phenomenon that I've seen with this uh, in, in the uh, poll study that we did with the National Golf Course Owners Association last year. You know, we always ask facilities from a marketing perspective: are they more focused on finding new customers or maintaining their existing customers? And and in this most wa- recent wave of that. We actually found that the, the the highest priority has been placed on retaining those golfers who came on board during the pandemic. That's taken a priority over any other segment, um, which really, again, kind of shows how Facilities are really beginning to walk the walk about creating an experience that goes beyond just the traditional 18 holes, and and to make you know with with things like forward T placement and other programs that that they've instituted to really kind of carry people through on their their overall customer journey. Um, but there's another phenomenon, and I know you've spent some time looking at this uh, in our barometer, David, and that's this whole topic that we've kind of gotten really enamored with of consumer optimism. Um, and, and, and certainly sensing from an attitudinal standpoint, some really significant changes and, and advantages, particularly with golfers. You want to reflect on that a little bit, David?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've really started to focus on optimism, whereas people look at consumer confidence and consumer expectations. Those are kind of reactive measures, Optimism is more of a foundation, a foundational attitudinal measure that has less to do with the surroundings and more to do with how they perceive their future and how they perceive what their potential opportunities are. What we've done in terms of watching all of this is really shown that for areas where you're really delivering on the most sought after benefits and you're delivering to the optimists, we find that these are where golf really has the opportunity. You compare that, you you pair that with the information that we have on underwhelming delivery. And what we've seen, uh, as you mentioned with the NGCOA study, is this real focus when facilities are focused on delivering to those underserved areas, to the new golfers, and they're not falling into complacency. And this is very important for moving forward. Don't fall into complacency. Continue to market to those new golfers. Don't push your rates too high. Create an environment that's lack of stress, that is welcoming, and really create an optimistic environment you'll find that your consumers will want to engage with you, not just in golf, but across all the categories, especially in their discretionary spending.
1: And and, and it's interesting, too. I mean, obviously, it, it, it seems intuitive to suggest that if somebody has a more optimistic outlook on what they can do, their behaviors are going to mirror that optimism in, in, in the sense that they become better customers. And, and that's what our data has really shown. But but the big question that I think we've been asking and that we were thinking about when it comes to facility operations and golf in 2023 is, hopefully we're not going to push rates too far. You know, we found in the NGCOA poll study that 90% of facilities last year actually increased rates. That's a huge unprecedented number. And in some of the depth interviews that we've done with a variety of of leading voices and multi-facility operators, you know, we we've had kind of that warning about let's not make the mistakes that we did as an industry back in 2008, um, and when you couple that with some of the stresses that still exist in terms of, of finding and retaining labor, uh, it becomes somewhat of a real balancing act for facilities to continue to push rates to a way that reflects the, the heightened demand, but doesn't necessarily push people out that may uh, still be on the fence or not fully engaged in the game. And And one of the things that we've been talking to a lot of folks about uh, that's been particularly resonant this year is is just the need to do what we call price elasticity testing. And that is really kind of understanding not just what the market will bear, but, but how an individual facility is perceived by its customers and prospective customers relative to its competitive set. So that's something that I think we really have to be mindful of. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting when we look at the year ahead Um, and David, I know that you and I have have done a lot of different uh, work on this for various clients, has been understanding, you know, how technology is going to continue to not just disrupt, but to evolve what the golf experience is and to evolve the whole process of transacting at a golf facility. Um, We've certainly seen and heard a lot about facilities that have kind of been able to find some ways to streamline everything from obviously making a tea time reservation to checking in to, you know, again, bringing some of these cashless transactions that have been pervasive in other leisure activities and to bring that to the golf course that, that can refocus the golf professional or the general manager and their staff Uh, into other areas where they can interface with customers. And I think the big, you know, another big question that we're going to likely look at uh, with some of our work that we'll be doing this year within an industry perspective is how do you balance that high tech um, evolution with high touch? And and that's something that I'll be really interested to see. And hopefully we'll be able to share with, with all of you in in subsequent episodes of drivers.
0: Absolutely. I think technology in the golf space specifically is something that really augments the experience and doesn't threaten the experience. And certainly, like you said, we definitely, having our new season of Drivers back on the uh, podcast up and running here, we'll be talking a lot about these issues with other leading and fresh voices in the golf industry. So stay tuned for future episodes of Drivers coming soon.
1: Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.